0: Isn't that cool. I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, that's not mine. I found it online. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Um, so sometimes you just need a little time to like bring a, a table in and and kind of okay, get get ready and stuff and so but can you imagine what it was like to live during the time of Joshua? I mean, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Okay, I want to give a little bit of a building update. So Wednesday night I went home, and I had something in my hand, and uh, Abby was doing some homework on, the, on the, uh, the couch. And I said, Abby, guess what I have in my hand? And she looks up, and she's kind of half thinking, half thinking about her homework. And she says, what? And I said, I've got a check in my hand for $1.7 million. And she says, <laughs> and goes back, wait, really? <laughs> now, if you know Abby, that's exactly Abby right there. Um, so Thursday morning went in, uh, closed on our new building. So we own a new building. That's right. That's awesome. You know, the crazy thing is there was only like 10 pieces of paper to sign an initial when we bought our home. Well, it's because we had the mortgage in the bank. They had like this whole list of stuff. And I went in there and I, I like signed 10 pages and I'm like, gosh, $1.7 million and this is it? But it's because we were able to pay cash. And so, I mean, that building is ours and we don't have a mortgage payment on that. So that's pretty amazing. So now the fun begins, okay? So this Wednesday night, we are going to go to the building. It's 2801 Louisiana. Um, There's, You can look on the calendar on the church website. Uh, There's a we have an announcement slide that kind of shows some, um, uh, basically shows we're going to have a walkthrough in prayer on Wednesday night. Uh, I'll walk through everybody. And we'll, now, when you get there, there's a lot of stuff that's good, and then there's some stuff that just needs fixing up or expanded or whatever. Um, there's no, It's not like a dump, so you're not going to go in and there's cobwebs everywhere and like scary voodoo dolls or anything like that. Um, you, we're going to go in, and it, it's, it's basically ready to walk in now, but there's a lot of stuff that just needs to be cleaned painted, uh, the landscaping is kind of messed up and stuff, and so like this week, there's a bunch of contractors that are coming in. So Wednesday night, we'll go through, we'll try and cast some vision for that, and then we'll go around and pray, Uh, and our intercessors are like, let's go get that place, because it was the center of spiritual living, and we love those people, but uh, let's just say that their um, beliefs are a little different than ours, and so we're just going to pray for that building, pray for that place, and just basically set it aside for God. Uh, The other thing we're going to do is we've got a couple work days, Uh, so uh, one in October and one in November, Uh, and uh, basically anybody can show up. We'll find something for you to do. We'll have a whole list of things to do. Uh, Our admin team is walking through this Wednesday to really go through and kind of come up with a checklist between that and what the contractors are going to do and stuff. There's a lot to be done. Trust me, you show up, we'll find something for you to do. It's always fun to work with your church, uh, getting a new building ready and everything. Uh, the last thing is uh, because of all the changes, so our our mission for our church is to reach young families. Now, we had, we had a young family starting to come in before COVID, and then it kind of fizzled out because families didn't want to bring their kids in, and... Like kids are like the big incubator. I mean, schools are, li- your kids go to school, one kid gets it. And then by the end of the week, everybody in the family has it. And so uh, that kind of happened during COVID is one kid would get it and they'd get sick and stuff. And so we need some kids workers. Uh, we actually need seven kids workers. One, You'll be serving once a month. Basically what we're going to do is we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a nursery slash nursing mother's room uh, that we're going to work. or or start when we move into the new building. We're going to have a pre-elementary class and an elementary class. And so we need workers for those. Right now, all we have is an elementary class, and we have like three to four workers each week for that. So if you're thinking about where can I volunteer, where can I help, uh, we have to get a background check of you. Got to make sure that you're not like a serial killer or anything like that. Um, We don't want our kids learning from you. Just... um, and uh, it's quick training. It is easy. And you want to talk about, like, uh, fertile ground for learning. I mean, if you say Jesus is Lord, they're going to believe you. If you say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you, they're going to believe you. I mean, they're, they're just ready. And so you can start them on, that, on that, uh, that path. Okay, the second thing, or the last thing is I just want to kind of gossip the good. Uh, a little bit of, what, of good that's going on in this church. Have you noticed there's been a change in the atmosphere of worship? I mean, I, I've heard that from so many people, and, you know, all I can say is it's God. God came in when we needed him most, and, and there's been a change in the atmosphere of worship. People are more engaged. Our numbers have gone up. Go figure. I don't, I don't know what that's about. Um, we have a new kids lead uh, and Stephanie Blackwell, and I meant to get a picture up here of her, but I forgot. I'm sorry, Stephanie. Uh, and she is super enthusiastic. I've been meeting with her about every Friday, talking through different stuff. She's got vision probably for five years out. I mean, like she is on fire. And so we need you want to serve under someone that's on fire. Uh, sign up for kids. Uh, and then another thing is is our youth have been kind of coming in. We have young people that are coming in and really starting to get engaged. Uh, Drew Perry, she led worship a couple weeks ago. I mean, Ashlyn was up here. Ashlyn's a little older than a young person, but she's still young. Uh, she was leading a song this morning, and, and there's just areas that uh, young people are helping out with. And then we also have a new pastoral uh, a couple that's Eloy and Sharon. Uh, can you guys raise your hand and wave? They are our new uh, pastoral care leads. So if you're sick, you're in the hospital, um, someone dies in your family or whatever, they're going to be the ones that are going to be contacting you and helping you through the process and stuff. We've needed that. I mean, Jim Curtis used to do that before he died, and we've actually been trying to find the right people. So they're going to be working with small group leaders. So if someone in your small group uh, gets sick and ends up in the hospital and you know about it, you need to talk to them. And, and then they'll also be working with the intercessor team so that these people are getting prayer, they're getting cared for, and their small group is rallying around them, loving on them, and, and visiting them and stuff. That sounds like a good plan to back to health, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the way the Bible's supposed to work, is, is we're supposed to rally around people that are sick or that are mourning or whatever, and we're supposed to mourn with them, and we're supposed to pray for their healing. So, so those are just some of the good things that are going on in the church. And then the new building, I mean... Gosh, it is a good time to be part of City Church. All right, we're going to continue our, our uh, message from Joshua. I will tell you, and I was talking with Joe uh, Snyder. He, he did a great job last week of, uh, of talking about Rahab and the spies. Yeah. Um, there, there was some stuff I, I learned and some perspectives. Yo always has a little bit different perspective. Um, he's a theologian, really loves to dig into kind of doctrines and stuff like that. Um, but yet he, he pulls that together with pop culture and there's always this thing and stuff. And I, I was like, How, how's he going to handle this uh, prostitute thing and, and stuff? And I, and I thought he did a really good job with it. I have found this week to be difficult for me to like lay out everything. So if I go off schedule, uh, if I go off into uh, something different, bear with me because I've actually, sometimes this has happened in the past and I'm like, God, there must be something else that you're trying to say that maybe isn't in my notes. And that's a good thing in some ways. I'm an engineer. I like notes. I like planning ahead. I like plans, organization, all that stuff. But God sometimes says, you know, I'm just going to mess up your plans. <laughs> so he may do that today. Uh, Let me make this a little bigger. Um, As I've gotten older, this funny thing has happened called losing my eyesight. Um, Only when I read, I can still see you guys. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. So it's the Lord of all the earth. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe, And it will come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, repeated it, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, that is, the waters which are flowing down from above, and they will stand in one heap. So just to give you a picture, uh, there's mountains in northern Israel, you can actually ski on Mount Hermon, you can go skiing on Mount Hermon, and you're like, in Israel? Yes, in Israel. Uh, Israel is such a diverse area and so a lot of the waters come down from those mountains and they go down the Jordan River and the Jordan River basically splits Israel right down the middle. And some of the tribes lived on the east side of the river and some of the tribes lived on the west side of the river. And so you have to understand when they're talking about Israel, uh, when they talk about the west bank, it's a portion on the west bank of the Jordan. And right now, that's kind of a disputed territory, you might say. But the Jordan River came down and toward, like right before the big nasty desert starts, or right about where it starts, is Jericho. And Jericho is like the entrance, if you came in from Egypt, from, uh, I guess from your side, Egypt's down in Africa, and if you go up, uh, it's it was like the big traveling corridor between Africa and Europe and Asia. You basically had to go through Israel. So Israel had this all these roads going through it. And so the big empire of Egypt would go through and the big empire of Babylon would go through and then the Romans went through and everybody went through Israel and Israel's just like this little agricultural community and they're always getting trampled on by these great big empires. But yet God was their God and and he sustained them. So the Jordan River comes down. Well, at the southern part is Jericho. And when you get south of Jericho, it is desert. And and I'm talking like bare... Not a plant to be seen, not even a little wispy desert-like plant like we see here, but I mean nothing. And you have to, like, hunt into the little canyons and stuff, and then you'll find, like, a little spring. And so all of the uh, Bedouins, they would take their sheep and stuff, and they would go to the different springs, and, and, and they would feed their sheep there. Uh, because there was, there was water that God had provided basically out of the ground. And then there was always uh, some sort of agriculture there that they could eat. So Jericho's down there. And Jericho's a, a walled city. And it sat uh, on one side of the Jordan River, uh, basically on the west side of the Jordan River. And the Israelites had ended up on the east side of the Jordan River. So that's basically what it the Jordan River's a good-sized river. Uh, it's not like the Mississippi, but it's also not like the Rio Grande. Somewhere in between. This is a promise, this first verse, and it will come about when the soles of your feet. Now, that's an illusion we talked about when we talked about Joshua 1, that God says, I'm gonna send you into the land, be strong and courageous, and He says, and wherever the soles of your feet go, I'm going to give you that land. And God is reminding the Israelites hey, when you cross the Jordan, that's your first step, and that's where your soul is gonna hit. And I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to part the waters so that even the land under the waters gets touched by the soles of your feet. God says, this is what's going to happen if you do what I say. Now, what happened if they just camped on the east side of the Jordan River? You think the river would have ever? No. This is what's going to happen if you do what I say. You can keep wandering, or you can do what I say, and you're going to see miracles. You know what God's saying to this church? You can keep wandering. You can keep doing your own thing. You can keep trying to be... I'm not saying we are this way, but in general, you keep trying to play church. You can keep trying to be the best church out there. Or you can do what I say. Now, God's path leads to miracles. The other path leads to wandering around and doing our own thing and playing church and, and doing stuff like that. God wants to do some miracles in our lives. Why? Because then he gets credit. If we're in the desert, yeah, we're going to get credit. All oh, those Israelites, there are wandering around in the desert. We don't want to be like them. Oh, but oh, here's a miracle that comes along. So let me ask you, where does God want you to go and where does God want us to go as a church? So God's activity comes along, and this is what he says. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, uh, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it of about th- 2,000 cubits by measurement. Do not come near it so that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. So when we look at that verse, so the first verse that I read about them going out and, and crossing the river when the soles of your feet, that's actually later on in the chapter. But I wanted to give you the big picture that they're going to have to cross the river. So now going back to the beginning, God says to the people, he says, uh, you're going to be in your tents, you're just going to be hanging out, and all of a sudden you're going to see the, the, the priest pick up the ark and start moving. When, not if, but when, which implies that you better be looking. There's a story in the New Testament about like Jesus is going to return and it says those that had a watchful eye, they recognized that it was coming. When? So are you watching for God's activity? Or are we just sitting and we show up on Sundays and we're like God, Jeff, you just go so long. Would you please stop preaching so I can go home and watch football? I was actually quoting myself because I'm like, Jeff, slow down. You want to go home and watch football? Uh, Like Do we come to church with this enthusiasm like, I want to see God. I want to hear God. You know what this reminded me of? As he was going along the Sea of Galilee. Oh, oh, sorry. When you see it. And then it says, go after it. So you better be looking. But then as soon as you see it, pack up your bags. It's time to move. It's not, when you see it, go. And then go pray about it. And then go have a council and, well, should we follow the, the Lord of the covenant? And No, go after it. I've already told you, God spoke, go do it. So this reminds me of when Jesus uh, was at the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will have you become fishers of people. We've, we've heard that verse. The key part is the next part. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Think about that. God comes to you. You're sitting at work one day. Now, if you have a cruddy job, I mean, you might be like, "I'm I'm going with God." And God says, "I want you to go, and I want you to go do this. I want you to want you to leave your job, and I want you to go to Africa, or I want you to go pastor this church in this little tiny town of Arizona, or whatever it happens to be that God's calling you to." You're sitting at your desk and you're you're typing on your computer, and God comes along. Would you just drop everything? And go, no, we, we'd want to turn on our two weeks notice so that we make sure we don't burn any bridges. We want to leave that opportunity that we can come back and, hey, maybe I should make it a full month that way we have time to kind of process this and we can sell our house and we can do all this stuff. No, they left their nets and they followed him. Same image, God says, when you see that ark, you better get going. You have to be looking. There's a story about a policeman... He sees this drunk and he's under this light, it's at night, and he's, he's searching around under the street light for something. and He's going back and forth and he's hobbling and stuff and the policeman just sits back and he's watching him and, and he, he goes up to the, the drunk and he says, um, like, have you lost something? And the drunk says, well, yeah, I lost my keys and I can't find them. And so the, they look around for a while and they look around and, and, and the policeman can't find him. And he's like, well, well, where did you lose him? He's like, over there in the park. <laughs> well, why are you searching here? Because there's light here. And that's all he could see. He couldn't see over in the park where it was dark. We have to go where the light is. And we will find what God is wanting us to find. We need to go Where the light is. So the second thing he says is, it says, "Stay at a distance." Now, at first, I was like, "Well, God, don't you want the people close to you and stuff?" Have you ever followed someone home, like uh, your you met them at work and they and you're going to go to their house for dinner and they're like, "Oh, just follow me," and so you're you're driving along and then they get further and further and further away from you. And then if they get too far away from you, you hit that red light and they keep going. And you're like, come on, I'm stuck at the light. Everybody here has probably experienced that at one time. The other part of that is if you're too close and you're right on their tail, they switch lanes and all of a sudden they're on the off ramp and you're like, I can't get over because there's this big truck in the way. And God says, I want you to just hang back a little bit. Just follow me. Keep your eyes on me. You don't know where we're going. It literally says, you've never been this way before. Let me lead. So we have to lead. So we have to hang back a little bit and let God lead. Now, we can approach the throne of grace. We can approach God, and we can have our quiet times and stuff. But sometimes God says, all right, I want you to do this. Imagine uh, when David was basically called by God to become king, if David was like, Done. I'm going for it. And and he pulls out his sword and he goes over and he kills Saul. Well, that would have messed up the whole Bible. I mean, God didn't want David to act. He wanted him to watch and wait on him. So the first step is to follow God and get our eyes on God when he starts to move. And the second step is that we got to, Have a little distance and not try and do it ourselves. It's okay to let God open the door for you. We don't have to go up and knock on every single door until we find one open. We go in there and it's a closet. That's usually what happens. So we go in there and we're like, oh, God, I thought you said I was going to be king. I mean, David was in a cave down in, in, in that desert. He was in a cave down in the desert. I wonder if he thought, boy, how did I get here? Are the promises of God real and true? Well, they are because we can read in Psalms about what he felt about that that he was waiting on God, and he trusted God, and he saw that God had a plan. And it was not just a plan for David's life, it was an eternal plan. And he wrote Psalms that spoke about God's eternal plan, and David knew that it wasn't just about him. And you guys have to know, it's not just about you, and it's not just about City Church. There has to be something that we understand that we're aligning with God, we're moving forward, and we're following him because we're one little piece of this puzzle of God's eternal plan. God spoke to Moses between the two cherubim that were the lid on the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark, it was the stones of the Ten Commandments, which was like God's instructions. And there was Aaron's rod, which was like God's correction. And then there was a pot of manna, which was like God's provision. So the whole character of God is this Ark. And God is saying, watch me. Watch me move. Third thing he says is consecrate yourselves. Check your heart to make sure that you're ready to see God move. I think a lot of us are not ready to see God move. For one, maybe we're so distracted or we've become so hard-hearted or, I used a word a couple weeks ago, comfortable with life as it is, that we're not even wanting something new we're going to the same daily thing i go to the same stuff have a council and well should we follow the the lord of the covenant and no go after it i've already told you god spoke go do it so this reminds me of when jesus uh, was at the sea of galilee he saw simon and andrew the brother of simon casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen and jesus said to them follow me and i will have you become fishers of people we've we've heard that verse the key part is the next part. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Think about that. God comes to you. You're sitting at work one day. Now, if you have a cruddy job, I mean, you might be like, oh, I'm, I'm going with God. And God says, I want you to go, and I want you to go do this. I want, you to, I want you to leave your job, and I want you to go to Africa. Or I want you to go pastor this church in this little tiny town of Arizona. Or whatever it happens to be that God's calling you to. You're sitting at your desk, and... You're you're typing on your computer and God comes along. Would you just drop everything and go? No, we'd want to turn on our two weeks notice so that we make sure we don't burn any bridges. We want to leave that opportunity that we can come back and, hey, maybe I should make it a full month that we have time to kind of process this and we can sell our house and we can do all this stuff. No, they left their nets and they followed him. Same image, God says, when you see that ark, you better get going. You have to be looking.